Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories. I'm Jem Daduchu and every week I take you on a journey. I start with a piece of pop culture. This week it's a TV show and I'm going to take you to places where I bet you'd never think you'd end up. So congratulations on downloading this podcast. If you want to continue the conversation, I'm Jem Daduchu on Twitter. I'm History Gems with a G on Facebook. Greg's in the background adding all the cool sound effects. Uh, you can obviously catch him. Links below. But what we're going to start off with is to tell you the topic. We're talking this week about Cobra Kai, the TV series, which is based a sort of sequel, if you like, from the very successful Karate Kid movies back in the 1980s. Which means, of course, we're going to be talking about karate. And I'm going to say it's probably not going to go in the direction you think it will when it comes to that particular martial art. And the other thing I'm going to be talking about is a bit more unusually Japan and World War II. So if this stuff sounds of interest, then come with me on a voyage as I take you to all kinds of weird and wonderful places. So let's start with the foundation of all of this. I am talking about the Karate Kid movie that came out in 1984. It was directed by John Alvidson. And in a way, I've already talked a bit about his work because he was the original director of the very first Rocky movie and was and was nominated for Best Director from that film. And so, in essence, he really took the basic premise of the underdog in a physical sport who sort of proves themselves through various forms of combat and, and added a teen movie onto it, basically. It stars Ralph Macchio as Danny LaRusso, the Karate Kid. Basically a wimp. He's at high school. Nobody likes him. He's new to the area. Uh, he gets, sort of gets bullied and all this kind of stuff. What's interesting is that Ralph Macchio, and please, I encourage you to have a look at the Karate Kid. It's a fun feel-good movie. There's no way if you watch The Karate Kid, you're going to feel worse by the time you finish watching it. Does it go through the usual beats? Can you almost guess what's going to happen next? Absolutely yes, but there's nothing wrong with a little paint-by-numbers if it's 
done with so much heart. But the thing that I encourage you to remember whilst watching it is while Ralph Macchio is absolutely convincing as this teenager, he was 22 at the time. So yeah, uh, the, the, he had a lot of trouble apparently proving his age. Nobody believed that he was of legal drinking age. His mentor, Mr. Miyagi, wax on, wax off, was a by Pat Morita, who um, passed away 10, 12 years ago. So he's not in this new TV series. And Pat Morita was actually nominated for an Oscar. And Mr. Miyagi, basically, again, the film is fairly derivative. He's Yoda from Japan. Either you karate do yes, or karate do no. You karate do guess so. Do or do not. There is no try. And actually, Pat was the full-blown American. He might have had Japanese ancestry, but he couldn't speak Japanese fluently. He had no accent whatsoever. So that's him genuinely putting on an act, uh, trying to be a bit more Japanese, which obviously fits for the role. The sheer genius of Cobra Kai, the TV series, is... Back in 1984, Danny's nemesis was this blonde kid called Johnny. And in the big final fight with Johnny, Johnny's the bad guy. We don't even learn what Johnny's surname is. He's just, and I've mentioned this before, in a good movie, you've got to kind of have this unstoppable evil force that you just want to break through and you don't want to feel too bad when you beat the unstoppable force. And Johnny is that unstoppable force. And therefore, the sheer genius of this TV series is it starts with the climactic fight. Episode one, minute one, starts with the climactic fight of the Karate Kid from 1984. And then you see, um, spoiler, I'm about to spoil the ending of The Karate Kid. You have had 36 years to watch this, okay? And in essence, it doesn't really matter. But the point is, you see Danny win, you see Johnny go down, and then it cuts to present day, and it doesn't cut to Danny, it cuts to Johnny. And the whole point of episode one is to show you what a terrible life Johnny's had since then. He basically couldn't get his act together. He's now a sort of odd job man. He drinks, he's divorced, he's estranged from his son. He's borderline destitute. I mean, when you're buying reheated pizza from basically a corner shop and that's your dinner, life isn't going well for you. And why is this called Cobra Kai? Because back in 1984, Danny was being trained by Mr. Miyagi. Don't forget to breathe. Very important. But Johnny came from a karate school, which was called Cobra Kai. So they were the bad guys. And we now find out in the new TV series that Danny LaRusso has gone on. I mean, this is the thing, you know, he's the hero, but he's just, you know, he won a teenage karate championship. He's not going to end up becoming president of the United States or invent Apple or anything like that. And it's nice to see that Danny has done well for himself. He, he, owns, he runs a series and owns a series of car dealerships, but he's very humble about it. He's not a flashy second-hand car salesman. You know, he takes pride in it. He wants to give you good prices. And every time he still leans into the karate thing, goes like, let's slash prices, let's kick this into touch. And, you know, so in other words, he still has got some karate moves, but, you know, it's all for show to sell some cars. And every car from a LaRusso, you get a free bonsai tree. So again, harking back to his 
alleged fictional heritage back in in the area he is. There, by the way, this is all set on the west coast of America. It's outside of LA, but you know, it's on the west coast, so it's all very nice and sunny. And if you like, what Cobra Kai is, is the perfect antidote, a bit like Karate Kid, of just, if you're feeling a bit down at the moment, then if you just want to watch something that puts a smile on your face, Cobra Kai does it. And a bit like the original movie, is it a bit paint by numbers? Yes, it is. You can kind of see where it's going, but it doesn't matter because, you know, you're fist punching in the air with joy and you're sort of like laughing at the silly bits. And half my joy of watching it, I'll be honest with you, is my wife. I will watch them TV, but then I'll look over at her and she's sitting there with this huge grin on her face. And I just it, uh, and that just fills me with joy. OK, so that's the background. That's what's going on. But I'm going to tell you something weird. Or what, why? How did this TV show come about? Well, actually, and maybe this is something I should have said at the beginning, but let me take you into something that's going on right now. It is a war. But it's not one where anybody's necessarily dying. It's called the Streaming Wars. Maybe on another occasion I'll go in depth on this, but the way we consume TV nowadays is not the way we consumed it 10, 15 years ago. You know, you, you would switch on to your traditional TV shows like, you know, ABC or CBS in America or BBC or ITV in the UK. You get the idea. Whereas now there's Netflix, there's Disney Plus, there's Amazon Prime. And what YouTube did a couple of years ago is YouTube tried to get in on the action. Now, of course, if you like, the USP of YouTube is it's free. Got all those damn adverts, but it's free. And there's all just this content constantly being produced by us and shoved onto it. And these people make livings out of it, or some people do, by running adverts in front of it. Okay, fair enough. But what YouTube tried to do is like, well, we've got literally billions of people going onto our website. Why don't we produce some quality content? So not just some gamer sitting in their bedroom with a microphone, but an actual filmed TV show. But we're going to charge for it. So we'll put the first couple of episodes out for free. And that's what I watched. I watched Cobra Kai a couple of years ago. A couple of episodes went, oh, this is really good. But no, I'm not going to start paying a monthly subscription to see the rest of it. It's good. It ain't that good. And clearly this project did not work for YouTube because they then sold all the rights to Netflix. And Netflix knows how to put streaming content out. And so they just dumped out in the middle of the pandemic, just dumped out these two series, entire series of Cobra Kai. And it's been very, very popular across the world. And already series three had been filming and they've got it in the can. So that's going to be coming out in 2021. So if you like, hopefully there'll be no serious disruption to your consumption of Cobra Kai. And again, to sort of like just link this all back. So, well, Cobra Kai was where Johnny came from. Johnny clearly, once he stopped being a teenager, didn't worry about being a member of a karate dojo at school. And Cobra Kai evaporated. He also had a bad reputation. But, you know, for, for reasons, Johnny decides to sort of get his act together and he's going to refound Cobra Kai. But that kind of scares Danny LaRusso because he remembers all the bad times in the past. And actually, the TV series leans very hard on on the first Karate Kid. But there were actually four Karate Kid movies before there was a remake. 
And one, two, and three are all about Danny. In Karate Kid 2, he goes with Mr. Miyagi to his home area of Okinawa, one of the islands of Japan. And in Karate Kid 3, basically he falls out with Mr. Miyagi, so he actually joins Cobra Kai and goes to the dark side, but then finds his own way. It's a law of diminishing returns. Number two has this sort of like hokey love story where he falls in love with a local Japanese girl. And I remember at the time it being sort of kind of touching, but I was a teenager at the time watching it, but also really fairly dull. That has not aged well. So they do hark back a little bit to number two and three, but they know that everybody knows number one. So that's what they're gonna lean hard into. But I did say there was a fourth one because there was then the next Karate Kid. And here is an interesting fact. Danny LaRusso, Ralph Macchio, is the key to these movies. And in the first movie, he eventually gets a girlfriend. And that girlfriend is played by a very young Elizabeth Shue. And if that name sounds familiar, yeah, Elizabeth Shue went on to win an Oscar for leaving Las Vegas. Whereas the next Karate Kid, so they've got rid of Ralph by now, next Karate Kid is a girl. And that girl is a very young Hilary Swank. And she went on to win an Oscar in Boys Don't Cry. So obviously Mr. Miyagi himself is Oscar nominated. So there's a lot of great actors and actresses in this series, but the stars ain't them. So enjoy. It's this weird freak nature of how sort of media works. But allow me to perhaps get onto some of the history. I've told you about the thing and I've, you know, talked about streaming wars, but you're here for some history. So the first thing I'm going to start off with is let's talk about what karate actually is. And it is referenced in, in pop culture a lot. You get in Friends, you get Ross talking about karate. And there are actually several different pronunciations of it. Karate-do is also another Japanese word for this martial art. Now, if you think the samurai learnt karate, you're wrong. And this is what sort of confused me. The other thing I thought, I assumed, was it's obviously an Olympic sport, and it isn't. Judo is, for example, but karate is going to be introduced formally in the, well, it was going to be the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, now it's the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. Will they even happen? Who knows? But yes, they're being introduced in the next Olympics as an official sport. So I mean, boxing's been there, judo's been there. So it's interesting that karate hasn't been formally introduced as a martial art. And what it is, is it's not from the main islands of Japan. Japan is an archipelago. What does archipelago mean? It means a collection of islands. Britain is also an archipelago, just doesn't sound, we, we assume that they're kind of tropical, but yeah, if it's a collection of islands, that's exactly what Britain is, okay? Like Britain, you know, there's some big islands, and there's some teeny tiny islands that are quite a way away. Think of something like the Channel Islands, for example, get the idea. And Okinawa is an example of one of those islands that's now become part of Japan, but at the time was its own territory. It was the Ryukyu Kingdom. Apologies, I'm not Japanese, but the Ryukyu Kingdom, which was independent until 1879. So it did its own thing till 1879, and it had a lot of contact with mainland China. Japan and China have a long and complicated history. We do not have time to do that. But what I wanted to sort of just briefly point out here is that there was this big interaction with traders. And of course, China has its huge, long history with its own forms of martial arts or empty hand combat, as it's also sometimes called, because you don't have a weapon. So you get the Shaolin monks, they invented Kung Fu because monks aren't allowed to walk around with weapons, but monks sometimes might be attacked. So they invented this way of defending themselves with no weapons, which became awesome. Okay. 
okay? And some of that Kung Fu came over to Japan as a whole, but particularly the, the connections with Okinawa meant that they started developing their own version of it, and that was what was become karate. This was exacerbated in 1477 when the king basically banned all weapons. So this is why samurai were just never using karate. Of course, they were using their own forms of martial arts, but they weren't ever learning karate because it was in a different area and they absolutely had weapons for starters. So it's actually perhaps not quite as old as you think it is. It doesn't go about thousands of years. And it isn't quite as Japanese as you think it is. It's really, it's an amalgamation of sort of like local Japanese customs, heavily influenced by China, but also to do with the political necessity of like no weapons. And really, karate didn't start coming into mainland Japan until the early 20th century. I mean, unsurprising, seeing it was amalgamated in 1879. Karate is not the first thing that's going to be brought over. So yes, that's the weird and wonderful thing uh, about karate. It's not as old as you think it is, and it's actually quite niche compared to many of the other martial arts out there. So how did this rather niche martial art start becoming well-known? Well, it, it did become popular. It was considered perhaps more robust than some of the other more um, process-driven forms of martial arts. It didn't have as many throws and grapples. Karate is far more about the blocking, punching, kicking. Um, and, you know, sometimes like judo, for example, it's all about the grips and holds and throws. And it absolutely works, but it maybe doesn't look as cool. And added to that, because it just is a slightly more flashy martial art, for want of a better phrase, when there started to be this, this uh, evolution of martial arts cinema in the 60s and 70s, Kung Fu absolutely was there, but there was quite a lot of karate, and it was being mentioned quite a lot too. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. In essence, by the 1970s, karate and kung fu were cool. They were the cool names for things. And it's interesting how in Cobra Kai, you know, by now, karate scene is almost... You know, it's gone the same way as flares and, and the afro. It's sort of like, it's just not what any, it's like, oh, is it Jeet Kune Do? Is it Jiu Jitsu? You know, because these are sort of like the more modern terms that are being picked up and considered cool. But of course, karate worked a hundred years ago and it'll absolutely work nowadays too. And so these kids start getting into it again in Cobra Kai. And if you like, Johnny's path to redemption is to first of all, redeem himself by you know starting to work with with the kids and sort of making them tough and hard and and, it, and this is the life affirming stuff because it's basically all the losers that, that decide to do, join the karate club and you can see that they are well, sometimes there's questionable improvements in sense that they might be turning into bullies themselves but you know that's part of the drama but you know they're becoming more confident they're becoming stronger both mentally and physically and it's a good thing overall but you know some of the kids are like oh what's karate it's like oh, it's not what it and and so he has to try and explain no it really does work and and of course it's online videos of footage and like a street fight that he had to do by the way it's it's got quite a lot of swearing cursing in it so i wouldn't recommend it for young kids but particularly for teenagers, you know, I've got a kid, uh, I've got both my kids are in secondary school now, but, you know, one of them's a bit older and it's like he can kind of relate to this, you know, the, you know, the unrequited love and the moping in the bedrooms and the sort of getting out the energy and all this kind of stuff and the sort of the teasing and bullying that happens in school regrettably. And yeah, he's absolutely loved it for the record. So there we go, you know, we've got a, you know, middle-aged mother who's enjoying it. You've got a middle-aged dad who's enjoying it. You've got kids who are enjoying it. It's a well-written, fun, enjoyable TV show. But another thing that's talked about in the first movie and becomes a point of reference in the TV show as well is Mr. Miyagi. It's interesting that the, the scene that is considered uh, the one that sort of sealed the deal in terms of Mr. Miyagi getting an Oscar nomination is a scene where he's in his military uniform and he's drunk. <laughs> and he's upset. Uh, and he actually, Pat Morita didn't want that scene in. He recorded, he filmed it, did a good job with it, but he goes, I'm not sure that's sort of like Mr. Miyagi, you know, we're sort of seeing a different side of him. And the director went, no, you know, it, 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 it's giving you layers. It's absolutely fine. And what's clear from the situation is that he served in World War II. And it's therefore not much of a jump and this is why I said we'd be talking about Japan and World War II, to say that invariably he would have served in the 442nd Regimental Combat Team. Now, Japan and World War II, as soon as I say that, I know what you were probably thinking. Pearl Harbor, Kamikaze, etc. And America's relationship with the Japanese in World War II is complicated to say the least. One of the things that America was heavily criticized for after the war, not during, is that people of Japanese descent, Japanese American people, were put in internment camps. They basically, they were held prisoner in, in essence, prisoner of war camps and held there against their will for the crime of being partly Japanese. Now that's obviously racist, it's obviously wrong, but it is also, as always, worth putting this stuff into context. America really didn't want to get involved in World War II. 
It started with the invasion of Poland in 1939. Now, that's barely a reason for Britain to get involved. But because we, we backed Poland's independence, we were obliged to join when Germany invaded Poland back in September 1939. So, unsurprisingly, America didn't join. Let's fast forward to the summer of 1940. So give or take, well, let's, let's go to September 1940, a whole year later. France has fallen. Poland's been invaded. Britain's hanging on by their fingernails. The Battle of Britain is sort of coming to an end, but, you know, London is being bombed. More than 80,000 people are killed by, in, in the Blitz. And America sits back and watches. Let's fast forward to September 1941. So again, another year into the uh, well, we're now year two into the war. By then, the Soviet Union has been invaded by Operation Barbarossa. Literally, millions of men are fighting uh, or captured. Thousands of tanks and planes have been destroyed on the Eastern Front. There's fighting in North Africa. Um, you know, we already know that the final solution is underway. Basically, the Nazis have control of, of virtually all of continental Europe, and still America doesn't get involved. By now, America is doing the Lend-Lease thing. Basically, they are giving us weapons and machinery, but we're having to pay for it here in Britain. And they're helping a little bit with the Atlantic crossings, but again, they're not meant to be in, engaged with the German Navy and U-boats. And so, you know, what's it going to take? What's it going to take, America? When is it going to take you? And the answer, as most people know, is it's December. It's a few months later in, in Hawaii, in their naval base at Pearl Harbor, where Japan attacks the U.S. Navy with a massive aerial bombardment without declaring war. Now, that wasn't actually deliberate. It was basically miscommunication. But obviously, when the Japanese declared war a few hours later, America, for every possible reason, was furious. Now, I've heard some people sort of turn around and say, well, hang on, you know, America had sort of cut off their oil supply. Yeah, OK, fine. America did that and that, that definitely crippled the Japanese war effort. But does that allow you to sneak attack a, a, another country that's not at war with you and kill more than 2000 of their people? No. And if you do that, you can expect a horrifically bad repercussion. At that point, America w was in December. They were focused on how do we defeat Japan? Because we still haven't got a reason to go and get involved in Europe. But then helpfully Hitler turned around, declared war in America, too. And it's like, OK, fine. So we need to do both these things. But with that in mind, you can understand why America was jittery around Japan. They'd sneak attack them. They declare war after they've started fighting the war. How many of these local Japanese people are going to be perhaps on the side of the emperor. Now, of course, with hindsight, we know that they were all loyal. Or virtually all of them were loyal. But you can't judge history by hindsight. But there's no doubt that the internment camps were wrong and it led to all kinds of difficulties. But in those internment camps, there were young Japanese men who very much considered themselves American and said, we want to help with the war effort. Now, funnily enough, they were not sent to the Pacific conflict. That could cause all kinds of accidental misappropriations and things like that. So they were all sent to the European conflict. And what I wanted to say is the 442nd Regimental Combat Team, which was exclusively Japanese-American men, that ended up being the most decorated unit in the history of the U.S. military. These men did not stop. They were determined to prove to their home country how hard they're willing to fight for it. And they had a disproportionate amount of things like the Medal of Honor. Now, the Medal of Honor is something that specifically Mr. Miyagi has. 
And the Medal of Honor, if you don't know, is the American equivalent of the Victoria Cross. Interestingly, the Victoria Cross was created in the 1850s during the Crimean War, and every single Victoria Cross is made from the melted-down brass of captured Russian guns from the Crimean War. And there still are dozens of these Victoria Crosses that have been made from it that have yet to have you know, anything stamped on it, but at some point they will probably go to somebody. Now, if you like, the Medal of Honor doesn't quite have such a cool origin on that, but it was created during the US Civil War, only about 10 years later, in 1863 was when the first one was actually awarded. And, you know, since then, thousands have been awarded. And just like the Victoria Cross or, you know, there are lots of different countries equivalent to these sort of the ultimate supreme, you know, signs of bravery. And hundreds of them, just like with the Victoria Cross, have actually been awarded to soldiers after they've died. But what they did in the process of their death was so incredibly brave that they got awarded it. So if anybody has something like that, of course, all these people, you know, it doesn't matter, again, which country you talk about, anybody who's received these sort of incredibly high honours very rarely talk about it. You know, I, I guess if you're a civilian or particularly if you're a 15-year-old boy, you're going to put something like that on your chest and walk down the street going, I'm amazing. It turns out if you ever actually have earned one, you realise there's so much blood and destruction and, and the bravery of all the people around you that you don't really want to talk about it. And it doesn't mean, I mean, you're proud of it, but it's not something you're going to be bragging about. Perhaps one of the, the look, it's not often you get this sentence, but I once saw a very touching documentary by Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah, I know. Bear with me on this. But basically, when his father-in-law died, the family find, found out that he had won the Victoria Cross and had never told the family about it. So this was Jeremy Clarkson going through the journey of what he actually had, had done. He'd, he'd won it, Operation Market Garden, uh, the Arnhem, you know, Bridge Too Far. That was the area that he'd, he'd won it in. And, you know, it, it's remarkable how many of these men just do not talk about this. And Miyagi, he's, he's, he's got it in a case. He's obviously proud of it, but he doesn't brag about it all the time. But yeah, so that's a sign. If you like that, that's one where if you kind of know your history, it's sort of like, wow, they've, they've put that in there. And that shows you just how awesome Mr. Miyagi is. But the other sign that they've kind of weirdly done their history on this complete piece of pop bubblegum entertainment is the fact that they make very direct reference to the fact that Mr. Miyagi's from Okinawa, which is exactly where karate came from. It would make sense that when he was a young man, he would have learnt karate, you know, from the family because that's that, that was the martial art that would have been local to that particular population. It, fun fact, in the second karate kid, I said they go to Okinawa. Okinawa has changed so much in the last 60, 70 years that actually they ended up filming in Hawaii because it just looked more like Okinawa, as you would imagine it, than actual Okinawa. Okinawa, for example, has a massive American military base on it. Japan's relationship with America, as I said, is complicated and, and complicated to this day. You know, Japan has very little in the way of army and navy, although its Coast Guard has been known to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with other countries' navies, so don't underestimate the Japanese Coast Guard. Because of that, there are still, you know, World War II ended in 1945, and yet there are still American troops based in Japan. And there have been sort of like controversial cases, drunk soldiers going out, causing trouble, perhaps assaulting a local. And, you know, it's kind of hard to work out which soldier it was. And sometimes they've gone back home and how do you prosecute them?
So, yeah, all of this is sort of bubbling on in the background behind Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. And if you like, Mr. Miyagi, and, and this was unusual in the 1980s. You've got somebody of colour who's being shown as being the smartest person there, who is the voice of calm. They are the person that everybody else basically aspires to be. Now, you could obviously argue that Mr. Miyagi is falling into, to a certain extent, racial caricatures and stereotypes. You know, Asian, uh, older Asian men are wise and know martial arts and, like, clip bonsai trees and do calligraphy. It's like, no, they don't. You know, some do, I'm sure. Others go fishing. Some play video games, etc. You know, people are people. So it is playing into tropes, but at least they're all positive tropes, as it were. And so I can't think of uh, of anything better. If you've already got Netflix, this is not going to cost you a penny. And what it is going to do is put a smile on your face. And I think in 2020, that's a really important thing. And funnily enough, they've made sure that, uh, at least in the UK, the Karate Kid movie, the original one, is also on Netflix. Now, just a brief word, because I mentioned that there was a remake. A while back, Will Smith was trying to get everybody. Everybody fell in love with Will Smith. He's just one of those guys where he's got just just he's got talent. You know, people forget he's been Oscar nominated. He can do serious acting, but he's got swagger. He's just got that star power. He can be funny. He can be in an action movie. He can be very entertaining. So, yeah, so he, you know, he's a great guy. Uh, but his son, Jaden Pinkett Smith, uh, he is, he does, he just lacks that, basically. And for a while, there was, uh, movies like After Earth and the, and the Karate Kid, where they were trying to get him to become, if you like, the next generation's Will Smith. And it just hasn't stuck, which is why you might not have seen that movie. But the Mr. Miyagi there was actually, Jackie Chan, you know, absolute genuine martial arts master. But of course, Jackie Chan does Kung Fu, not Karate. So for starters, it should be the Kung Fu kid, not the Karate kid. Secondly, you know, interestingly, Jackie Chan, everybody loves Jackie Chan. Okay. And, you know, his career has spanned 40 years or so. No, longer than that. Enter the Dragon. If you watch very, very briefly, you know, Enter the Dragon is what everybody knows. Bruce Lee, he is amazing. But Bruce Lee um, fights both Sammo and Jackie Chan. They are bit part stuntmen who sort of like get beaten up by Bruce Lee in Enter the Dragon, which came out in 1973. Okay, so that's at least how long Jackie Chan's career's been. He isn't high kicking like he used to, obviously. His, sort of, his high point was the 80s and 90s in terms of his actual skill. But the, interestingly, Jackie Chan's got the same problem as Will Smith. Everybody loves Will Smith and Jackie Chan. But their kids are basically wastrels. They 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 have not captured the imagination. A lot of money and time's been pumped into their careers and it has, neither of theirs have, have ignited. You know, it just seems that you need the hunger and both Jackie Chan and Will Smith were hardworking individuals. Jackie Chan, admittedly, a lot more and the man has broken every bone in his own body and has been pronounced dead, I think, twice in his film career. So yeah, oodles of respect to Jackie, but unfortunately I'm going to have to say it is an inferior movie to the original Karate Kid. Huge, again, respect and apologies there to Jackie Chan, who I also find fantastic. So that's it. That's The Karate Kid. That's Cobra Kai. Hope you've enjoyed it. And as always, there's going to be another one of these out next week. Please just tell one other person about this. I'm picking sort of particularly popular topics at the moment. Happy to go a bit more obscure if you want me to, but communicate with me, reach out to me. And if you, if each one of these listeners could just tell one person, hey, you know, Condensed Histories has changed. I'm really enjoying it. That'd be great. Be great to get that message out there a little bit further. Thanks as always for listening and hopefully speak soon. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.